All right, it's good to be back on Talk Radio Live in 4K. All right, so let's get into the story with Trump making these allegations against Fulton County DA Fannie Lewis and much more. They have another one. They say there's a young woman, uh, a young racist in Atlanta. Say racist. And they say, I guess, they say that she was after a certain gang and she ended up having an affair with the head of the gang or a gang member. And this is a person that wants to indict me. She's got a lot of problems, but she wants to indict Now, here's the thing. Um, unless I see proof of my own eyes, but I will say this, it's not far-fetched for uh, public officials to be hooked, hooked up with people that are... Um, they have no business being hooked up with, you know, you see with police officers and correction officers, all right, all the time. All right. And then a couple of, I think a couple of years ago, or um, maybe a couple of months ago, there was a situation where a woman was a public official and she was caught up with a dude that had a very deep criminal past. So, I wouldn't be surprised if it did, if it did turn out to be true, if that's a big if. And if it is true, I will be talking about it. Let's continue. Indict me to try and run for some other office. Uh, what's going on in this country is, uh, and by the way, wants to indict me for a perfect phone call. This was even better than my perfect call with Ukraine. Okay. Let's see what... Uh... Ms. Lewis has to say about that. Fair use. Here at home, Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis fired back at allegations made by the former president. A new attack ad from former President Trump accuses Willis of having an inappropriate relationship with a former client. In an email to her colleagues obtained by the AP, Willis called the accusations, quote, derogatory and false. She urged her staff not to respond to the allegations publicly. Willis also wrote, quote, we have no personal feelings against those we investigate or prosecute, and we should not express any. Atlanta DA Fannie Willis fires back at derogatory and false Trump attacks. A Georgia prosecutor expected to indict Trump within days uh, for his attempts to overturn the 2020 election results in the state has responded to accusations by the former president <clears throat> campaign that she is too incompetent, tainted and corrupt to bring the case. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis told her staff in a Wednesday email obtained by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that a TV ad alleging political bias and unprofessional conduct on her part was derogatory and false. She may not 
comment in any way. You may not comment in any way on the ad or any of the negativity that may be expressed against me. Your colleagues in this office in the coming days, weeks, or months, Willis said in the missive addressed to mess to mess members of the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. Okay. We have no personal feelings against those we investigate or prosecute, and we should not express any. This is business. It will never be personal, she added. We have a job to do in this office. We prosecute, we prosecute based on facts and the law. The law is nonpartisan. The Trump campaign ad highlights reports that Willis oversaw a 60% spike in murders during her first year in office and that a judge had barred her from prosecuting current Georgia Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones before last year's election because she had held a fundraiser for his Democratic opponent. The commercial also claimed that Atlanta DA got caught hiding a relationship with a gang leader. She was prosecuted, referencing a former client of hers who had connections to a racketeering case against the rapper Young Thug. This is not in her character. This is not who she is. Okay. Young Slime, Young Slime Life Mondo, who co-founded the Young Stoner Life, all right, Young Stoner Life record label with Young Thugs, told Rolling Stone in January. I had I done had auntie to nephew mother to son talks with her i know this is not her character this is what made me start looking at the why young slime, young slime life case like i know it's bigger than her it's politics behind this it's other people that's behind her pulling the strings mondo said willis whose father was a criminal defense attorney and former black panther had been a great attorney who helped him secure probationary deal on an aggravated assault charge in 2019. He added that they also had a cool relationship while preparing for his defense, but hadn't talked since the conclusion of the case. The Trump ad says Willis is President Biden's newest lackey and calls her and other prosecutors who have brought up charges against the former president, the fraud squad, the 45th president campaign spent 79000 for the TV ad to run on cable news channels in Atlanta on August 9th to 13th. The AJ Center reported Trump 77 took the tax against Willis further on Tuesday during a rally in New Hampshire saying that there's a young woman, a young racist in Atlanta, and they say, I guess they say she's after a certain gang. She ended up having an affair with the head of the gang or a gang member. This is a person who wants to indict me, he added. Willis's reportedly preparing to bring witnesses before a grand jury in Georgia next week before potentially slapping the former president with racketeering and other charges and what would be Trump's fourth indictment this year. Special counsel Jack Smith has twice hit the ex-president with federal indictments for allegedly retaining classified documents and lying to officials who sought them and for conspiring with others to throw out potential presidential election results. In the wake of the 2020 loss, Trump made several phone calls to Pete's to Pete state election officials to try to reverse his electoral loss to Biden. At one point, asking whether Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffenberger could find 11,780 votes for him. Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg indicted Trump earlier this year on 34 counts of business fraud for allegedly falsifying records to conceal hush money payments to porn star Stormy Daniels in 2016. The former member, the other member of the so-called fraud squad, New York Attorney General Latita James, 
has purchased fraud claims. Her, I'm sorry, pursued fraud claims against the Trump organization, but has yet to announce criminal charges. Well, we will see. All right, we will see. Okay, we will see what go, what comes up in later on down the road. 2023 has been a very uh, interesting year. That's what I could say. And let's talk about this migrant crisis right now. Of asylum seekers arriving in the city asking for shelter. So officials estimate nearly 100,000 migrants have already arrived in New York City since last spring. Mayor Adams says that the city is beyond the breaking point. The crisis is costing the city billions. He made another plea for federal help yesterday. If things do not change, our new estimates have us spending nearly $5 billion on this crisis in the current fiscal year. That's up from the $1.4 billion we spent last fiscal year. It's a lot of money. Joining us right now with how the city plans on managing this crisis, New York City Emergency Management Commissioner Zach Iskall. Nice to have you back on Good Day. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be here with you, Rosanna. So uh, the mayor says it's about $10 million a day. It's close to that. That's correct. So what can be done? How can you manage this? Yeah. So first off, I am incredibly proud of the work the city has done to this point. And just one correction. You said 100,000 have come through the city. That's almost 100,000 that the city has cared for. There's probably many more who have come to the city that have not relied on city services. And we currently have close to 60,000 in our care, including close to 20,000 children. And so I think, you know, as we've been struggling this with, the, with this over the last year, I am incredibly proud of the work the city has done to this point. I mean, I thought the breaking point would have been when we hit 25,000 people or 30,000 people or 50,000 people. Um, but this has been a humanitarian crisis that has largely been hidden from public view over the last year until just last week or a couple weeks ago when we started to have a few people sleeping outside the streets. Of yeah. A few Mosin people Hotel. sleeping outside? Lots hundred, of people. A few hundred. Okay. And we were Lots able to people. get them off the streets. But, but the fact is, is that when you look at the history of forced migration in this country, and this is not the first time we've had to deal with it. We've dealt with it with European refugees after World War II, with Vietnamese there was in the a 70s. Difference. There was a difference. The city the did not put people up, give them food and shelter, did not give them um, phones and gift cards. Well, that's exactly They were point. on their own when they came here to this that's country. That's actually not true. In each of those cases, there was a federally led effort. The, the Cuban boat crisis in 79-80 was a federally declared disaster. Uh, the federal government did a lot to resettle the Vietnamese. The federal government. The federal government. And the federal government, they're here now with the monitor, right? They're, they're here in with, town? Well, not a monitor. They're here with a team that has come to assess the situation and then go back to and DC. And what are they doing and seeing? So we took uh, some of the team members around yesterday. They toured the operations at the Roosevelt Hotel, which is our arrival center. That's the first front door to the system that we've built of over 200 or close to 200 emergency shelters around the city where we're housing close to 60,000 people. So they saw the arrival center at the Roosevelt Hotel. That's the system with those 200 emergency shelters that has been active. The thing is, it's like, okay, back then they had, they could afford it. They could afford to have these people here. But now we can't. Okay, we just we suffered under a um, pandemic. 
we have, you know, these illegals coming here with, you know, tuberculosis. We have these illegals, you know, being carriers of it. They don't, you know, we don't know when it's going to just, it's incubating. You don't know when it's just going to, you know, they're going to go full blown with this, with the, the symptoms. They're not checked for any uh, diseases. They just let through. So what, and they're coming to New York City where people are already on the breaking point. All right. People are losing their jobs. The economy is bad. We're in a recession. We are, don't listen to what they're saying. They're lying. We are in a recession. And they want to play games like this. And Eric Adams said he wanted to be the Biden of Brooklyn. Look what he's doing. Okay. People are already hating him. Because they're sick of him. He's not doing anything good for the city. The best thing for the city is to take all of these people and send them back. All right. We have homeless people, vet veterans, veterans that were conned into going into wars. All right. But just the fact that they just needed a, uh, a better life and they weren't rewarded. They were treated like crap and they need homes. They need shelters. They're kicking veterans out of shelters, out of hotels. I'm sorry to place migrants. That isn't right. Okay. Capacity now for, for weeks, if not months. They toured some of the respite centers with us. These are some of the converted places like gyms, uh, closed parochial schools, sure. commercial the, spaces. I mean, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. we understand that this is, this is wonderful that they get to see all this stuff, but what do you need them to do? It's a great question. So the mayor has been very clear about this going back to last fall, at least this last fall, mm -hmm. that we really need four things from the federal government. Number one is we need them to declare this a federal emergency, and it is. Uh, number two, and what, is, and what would that do for the city? So it opens up federal resources, right? So there is there is the the Stafford Act, and there's federal law, yeah. and there's precedent about how the state, local jurisdictions, and the federal government interact in times of emergencies. As an emergency manager, you know you look at what's going on in Hawaii right now. This incredible tragedy, Hurricane Ian in the fall, the floods in upstate New York, are and they're and they're going to declare a state of emergency they there. Get those funds. And that ushers why, in state and federal resources. But why hasn't our governor done that? I mean, the, the the mayor has asked for assistance. She's like, here's another billion dollars. That's not going to fix the problem. Why has our governor not declared a state of emergency? I would have to refer you to the state to answer that question. The jokes, the jokes. That's all I got to say is the jokes. Because. You're given all this our federal emergency, okay? How does that help everybody else? All right. These people are getting driver's licenses. Not even they have not passed the requirements to become legalized citizens of America, but they're getting driver's licenses. They're becoming police officers in certain states. Can you imagine that? An illegal immigrant becoming a cop, doesn't know the laws, but he has a gun and a badge, and he's supposed to protect you. Probably does not speak the language. I'm not being funny here. They probably don't speak the language. How does that help? Or worse, they could be part of a criminal gang, and they weren't checked. You have to have a background check. 
If they've gotten this far into the border, how could they be background checked? Nothing. found this story happened in July. I found it very disturbing. Let's just say they got a lot of nerve trying to ban sound of freedom. A lot. They have a lot of nerve to criticize it too. About a 14-year-old girl who was found in the barracks at the Marine Corps' Camp Pendleton, a Marine, was taken into custody, and ABC's Faith Abube has the latest on that. Good morning to you, Faith. A good morning to you, Gio. It's not clear whether naval investigators are still questioning that Marine or whether he's been released from custody, but a Marine Corps spokesperson confirms to ABC News that the man you see here in this image circulating on social media is the unidentified Marine. You can see him there handcuffed and investigators escorting him. And this case began on June 13th when the San Diego County Sheriff's Office says a woman reported her 14-year-old granddaughter missing. The Sheriff's Office says military police found that teenager at Camp Pendleton two weeks after she disappeared and returned her back to her family. A woman in a TikTok video now claiming she's the girl's aunt says that her 14-year-old niece was raped on the military base. The Marine Corps says they are taking the allegations very seriously and they are cooperating with this investigation. Now, we're told multiple law enforcement agencies, including the San Diego Human Trafficking Task Force, are working with military police to get to the bottom of what happened. The, the thing that really is disturbing that they won't even give you the person's name. And after the invest and, after, you know, while, you know, they found about it, they let him back into his unit. They didn't put him in a jail. They just put him back in his unit. OK. That is some insane crap, which means somehow, some way, you know. They're in on it. He got through he got through the front gate with that 14 year old girl. And probably shared shared her with other veterans, with other um, servicemen. What the hell? Said it before, I'll say it again. The military is not really a good place for minorities or, or, or females, period. It's not. Niger is ready for war. Power are preparing to attack Niger and its people in coordination with ECOWAS and armed terrorist groups. Faced with the threat of intervention, fair use, by the way, fair use, that is becoming clearer through preparation from a neighboring country, Niger's airspace is closed as of today, Sunday, August 6, 2023, for all airports until further notice. Any attempt to violate national airspace will be met with an energetic and instantaneous response. Niger's military junta made that announcement yesterday, the day of the deadline to release and restore President Mohammed Bazoum. Bazoum still remains in the junta's grasp. He was a puppet leader. 
Why did they remove him? See, what goes on in Africa, what they don't tell you is the fact every time they try to get a leader that is absolutely for the people, that two things happen. They either end up missing or they end up dead. Okay? Whenever you have a person that is not for the people of Africa but for the West, they're installed there for as long as they are useful. Okay? And then you got... Western African countries trying to get in the midst of this and trying to help the West restore their puppet slave. It is sad what is going on that West Africans can't see the monstrosity going on with Niger. That France is taking 50% of their resources, paying the, paying the, the people of Niger scraps pennies and they think it's a good idea to go and help niger's enemy okay seems very familiar to what used to go on with uh slaves and slave revolts very familiar house negro field negro mentality and niger's generals are preparing for war as you can see, all flight activity stopped over Niger yesterday. The country is preparing for a military intervention. A military intervention by the Economic Community of West African States, or ECOWAS. That's the group that issued the ultimatum. The Western puppets, those are the field Negroes. Nigeria, a member of ECOWAS, has already cut electricity supplies to Niger. It supplies around 70% of Niger's. You're doing that to your own people. People look just like you, who have an actual right to stand up to France and any other European country that feels that it's okay to steal resources and pay the people of that country you're stealing resources from nothing. Once again, Macron should worry about the fact that his country is in flames. And that you really are looked upon as a pedophile in a nice, expensive suit because you lower down the age basically to nothing for consent. As well as other stupid things that you have done to hurt your people. Worry about your own country that's becoming a hellhole and leave the people of Niger alone. There's power. This threatens to cause a humanitarian crisis in the coup hit nation. But Niger doesn't just blame Nigeria and ECOWAS for its troubles. The coup leaders and supporters also pin the blame elsewhere. The old colonizer, France. Niger's junta may have just alluded to France during its announcement, but the coup supporters were more blunt. It's France that is behind this ECOWAS force that wants to attack us. I think they've noticed that we have the support of Burkina, we have the support of Mali, we have the support of a certain number of partners who are ready to attack if Niger is attacked. I'm not for war and bloodshed. I'm not. I prefer to be peaceful that France is forced, possibly by Putin, to make a peace agreement. But we don't. We know that will uh, that will never happen. 
okay? That's not going to be possible. West can't defeat Russia, says Vucic. The Ukraine conflict is now a war of attrition with no easy solution on the horizon, the Serbian president has said. All Western efforts to help Ukraine prevail over Russia on the battlefield are in vain, Serbian President Aleksandar Vucic said on Thursday, calling on Moscow and Kyiv to engage in peace talks. Speaking to Happy TV, Vizic stated that while the Western countries are providing Ukraine with massive military assistance, now it is clear that there's nothing to, to it, and an easy end to the conflict is nowhere in sight. A war of attrition is being waged, and with all the strength of the West, Russia will not be defeated on the battlefield, the Serbian leader opined. Vivek noted that while he is not sure what Russia has a campaign has to gain politically, a truce between Russia and Ukraine would be the best outcome. Oh, you think? You think? I see initiatives coming from some Arab countries. I hope that something will bring us closer to peace, the president said, adding that a secession of hostile hostilities would also be in the interest of U.S. President Joe Biden, who is up for election in 2024. The economy would immediately flourish. Energy prices would drop dramatically. Everything would be much easier. I think he knows that the key issue in the U.S. election is the economy, Vivek said. Vusik, sorry, Vusik said. He also stated that the same would be true for Russia and Ukraine, which the president believes are exhausted, although he noted that Moscow was holding up under Western sanctions better than any expected. Well, I don't know, maybe because the fact that they're sitting on black gold oil and they have they have gold themselves and other countries backing them. In June, the Serbian leader warned of a possible escalation in the Ukraine conflict, saying that Kyiv's much touted offensive with Russia, which Russia claims has failed to gain any ground, could trigger a strong response from Moscow. Vucic's comments come after the recent Saudi-hosted summit in Judea, in Jeddah, attended by officials from some 40 countries. While the list included Ukraine, some of its Western backers, such as the U.S. and the U.K. and Moscow's partners from the BRICS group, Brazil, India, China, and South Africa, Russia itself was not invited. Moscow has argued that it, without its particip participation, any peace talks are pointless. While the summit did not end with an official communique, the Wall Street Journal reported that Ukraine refrained from pushing its peace formula requiring with the withdrawal of Russian troops from all territory Kyiv claims as its own. Ukraine, however, denied that it had given up on its plan, which rejects any compromise on the ground with Moscow. Zelensky is basically turning Ukraine into a graveyard. It's basically becoming a graveyard. No matter what reasons put out there, you're not winning. This war is not winnable, period. It's not going to happen. No way, no how. Let's talk about... Uh, let's talk about DeSantis right here. Let's talk about um, Prager U. And let's see about the diabolical things that Florida under DeSantis has allowed Prager U to do.
schools. The group claims that students are failing because schools are pushing activism instead of teaching facts. WashU's Marley Martinez joins us in studio right now. Marley, you spoke with the CEO. What did they have to say? Yes, PragerU, despite the name, is not a university. If you go to the website, it looks a lot like scrolling through YouTube, a website filled with video content. Now, the CEO tells me they want to use their content to educate kids, but some parents say the material is concerning. There is no such thing as gender-affirming care. You cannot affirm something that does not exist. This is an example of a PragerU video. There are men and women and boys and girls. And there are men and women and boys and girls who are confused or deluded about which one they are. The conservative nonprofit creates videos like these, they say, to offer a free alternative to the dominant left-wing ideology in culture, media, and education. Parents have felt that they have been really pushed out of the education of their children. CEO Marissa Streit tells me they're now bringing their PragerU kids content to classrooms, and Florida is the first to sign up. America's classrooms have been more focused on producing young activists than actually kids who excel academically uh, or are able to think critically. And we're now, here's the thing. Now, on the surface, you know, it looks good. All right. On the surface. Yeah, it looks good that, you know, we're dealing with these issues as left wing uh you know, agenda, the rainbow mafia, we're, we're dealing with this. Yeah, it, it seems good. It seems good, right? Right? But um, let's let's get into what an interview with DeSantis, what he was saying about it. Let's see what comes out of his mouth. Were there beneficial aspects to slavery? That's not what the curriculum says. What, what the do curriculum, you think? What the curriculum? No, there's no. It's not. And the curriculum is very clear. Let's play that back. Let's play that back. Hey, were there beneficial aspects to slavery? That's not what the curriculum says. What, what the do curriculum, you think? What the curriculum? No, there's no. It's not. And the curriculum is very clear. You have, I think it's like 200 plus pages of all kinds of stuff that you can't read. That have you read it? So what's your opinion? Have you read it? What's you your, haven't, I'm you haven't, you, your but, but you haven't read it, so I'm just, just making that clear. That makes it very clear about the injustices of slavery in vivid detail. But you're the one who said that slavery, people benefited from slavery, that blacks benefited from slavery, DeSantis. Now, I can't really um, go into detail, but I did see a clip of how they distorted history, okay, with Christopher Columbus, how basically he wasn't a murderer and stuff, and how he did a good thing, and, you know, those people that called cannibals, he handled them, but in reality, they weren't cannibals, all right? This, this is the nonsense that's coming from Florida, okay? Florida State Governor Ron DeSantis. So anyone that actually read that and then listens to Kamala would know that she's lying. And that particular provision about the skills, that was in spite of slavery, not because of. The AP course has made that same point. Other courses have made that same point. Nobody said anything. The point of the part, when you bring up stuff like that, okay, DeSantis, you're watering down what happened to these blacks during the time of slavery, okay? They learned skills, but when they tried to have their own towns, guess what? What happened? 
what happened to their towns? Okay. They were destroyed. Black Wall Street was destroyed. All right. Either the towns was flooded. Okay. They had communities. Highways were built right through it. Okay. If they had farms. All right. And wanted to feed their people in peace. Klansmen would come and try to kill the person, the black person who owned the land and the farm. One man defended his family from those Klansmen and died of gunshot wounds. He was a black man. He fed, he fed his community. DeSantis learned those skills. He learned those skills from slavery. And they weren't allowed to use those skills if they dared to perform or outperform their white counterparts, they were met with death. This is what you, this is the nonsense that comes out out of some white Republicans mouths. They tell you half truths. It's very irritating and aggravating sometimes to talk to them. Let's go further into this. What parents should know about PragerU videos, which can now be shown in Florida schools. Some of the videos downplay slavery, question whether humans really cause climate change, and insert opinions into what otherwise appears to be education content for children. All right. Florida recently became the first state to give the green light for free online videos by PragerU kids to, sh to be shown to children in kindergarten through sixth grade at public schools. The move sparked controversy. PragerU said that it's Content pushes back against what it calls woke agenda sh infiltrating classrooms. But you are infiltrating the classroom, giving a racist revisionist of history with a white supremacist viewpoint. Okay. That is something very interesting. Okay. The left and the right are in this together. Okay. A lot of people don't like to hear that. The right gets triggered. The left gets triggered. Because they know it's true. I'm talking about the, the white ones. The white Republicans and the white liberal, they know it's true. That's why they get mad at you. That's why when you mention it in social media forums, they start laughing and giggling like demons because you're telling the truth. Some may be blind, but there are those who know exactly what you're talking about. Especially when, it, you know, look up Malcolm X, Okay. The liberal will try to act like they're your friend when they're not. They'll tell you a bunch of truth, but then slip in the lie. They gain your trust and start slipping in lies. Same thing with Republicans, okay? <clears throat> They'll do the same thing. All right. Well, not the same thing. They they will basically tell you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't made a little mistake there. They will tell you up front, okay? They don't believe any um, atrocities happen. Whatever atrocities happen, it was for the greater good. That's how they believe things. All right. Unless they become a victim of it. That's how they see things. Okay. It's supposed to be in their eyes. Black people get the 
flu, white people get the sniffles. If it's the other way around, white people get the flu, now there's a crisis. For instance, the drug epidemic, right? When that happened, oh, you know, we got to do something about it. We have to we have to take charge when it's black people. Just say no to drugs. See what I'm saying? All right, let's keep going. Despite Governor Ron DeSantis repeated assertions that Florida's backs education, not indoctrination, conservative radio host Dennis Prager, the founder of Prager U, has said that the content is meant to indoctrinate showing pro-American Judeo-Christian values. Okay. WSU, um, WUSF's Carrie Sheridan spoke with Jessica Wright, a former teacher who is now the vice president of, non, of the nonprofit Florida Freedom to read project about what parents should know. One, what are the main things to know about PragerU? I think the unique thing to understand about PragerU is that there is no bid process for this. There aren't traditional vendor that even requires payment because it's free. It's not an accredited university. It does not have creditors with a vast education background. And it says right on their website what their intention is, which is purely for indoctrination. And it says specifically for conservative values, conservative white values. Understand that conservative. The Republican Party is about white people, white, white nationalism. That's what it's about. This is a white person's country. All right. That's what they're telling you. It's a white person's country. They've shown it throughout history. It's a white person's country. Republicans get offended. Black Republicans get offended by it. Minority Republicans get offended. I don't know why you would try to get offended if you just basically are just a nice paid slave to spit their talking points, just like the left. A lot of educators who have a traditional education background or they've been in the profession for a long time, they're going to be able to recognize in those materials that PragerU is representing what we would refer to as a law, logical fallacy, meaning that material that you're reading or listening to might sound like it makes sense. And frankly, in the educate in education, when you look at parents, the the supreme the supermajority says we don't want politics in our classroom, we don't want conservative or liberal values. That doesn't <clears throat> there doesn't need to be an agenda. And so I find it interesting that as a state, we've said over and over again that we don't want indoctrination, but yet we are promoting the, this resource that's highly acceptable and don't require any sort of permission from our districts or our country, lead, our county leadership and saying, hey, this is what you can use. And it's a complete slap in the face to say that we don't want indoctrination. But yeah, we're promoting this. What's the difference between something like this and say brain pop? which also has short animated videos covering topics like history and world events. The difference with Brain Pop is that it has to be purchased. It's typically added onto students' platform, so my child would be able to access it by logging in, logging, then logging in, and then logging into Brain Pop, and they would have access to all their different lessons. The difference with PragerU is that it's just a URL. It's an open source. It takes two seconds to go onto their website. You can you could download reading material that is supplemental. You could show a video. And throughout the state of Florida, teacher contracts largely protect them to have the autonomy to build this in their lessons should they choose to. And so a district may be able to say, we don't recommend this. It's not in our curriculum maps. 
We do not promote it being used, but the teacher could still have the autonomy to use it and virtually have no negative repercussions for it because it has been endorsed and promoted by the state. All right. Tell me what is about the video or the message that you find most problematic or dangerous. The video and the writing do an incredible good job of coming across very professionally. The layout of the writing looks like a curriculum, actual curriculum that would come from an accredited institution. And so that could be very misleading in and of itself. Also, the video that the videos that are very interactive and engaging, a lot of them are in cartoons. And so the state specifically promoted PragerU for K to six. And so it is geared toward that age group. A lot of educators who have a traditional education background or they have been in the profession for a long time, they're going to be able to recognize in those materials that PragerU is representing what we would refer to as a logical fallacy, meaning the material that you're reading or listening to might sound like it makes sense, but if you are educated on the on that topic, you would know that they come to a conclusion that it's not based on fact. I think that it becomes increasingly dangerous when you see the amount of vaccine, the amount of uh, vacancies that we have in Florida. We have eight thousand vacancies for instructional teachers and six thousand for school-related personnel. That's the highest that we've ever had historically. Okay. <clears throat> They cut out a lot of curriculum that we typically would use that we would be able to choose from. So they've created what a lot of us refer to as a resource desert. So if you're in a resource desert, you're going to reach for the most accessible resource, which would be PragerU in this situation. So when you when you have people who are filing in those positions for those instructional teachers and maybe they haven't had the same educational background, the same training while they are getting on their feet, they're going to be looking for those resources to be built out of <clears throat> to be to build out of their lesson plans and sometimes getting used to the time period for a class period. They might end up with 10 minutes at the end that they're trying to fill. I don't think that all of our educators are going to have some sort of, you know, sinister agenda. I think that we'll have a well-meaning people who are just looking for resources to use in their classroom. And along with that, the amount of resources that the state has approved that's traditional curriculum to use has been very limited this year. They cut out a lot of the curriculum that we typically would be able to choose from. So they've created what we, a lot of us would call a resource desert. I just read that. Remember that they're trying to force these teachers to teach this crap. All right. So you're basically taking your kids to. How do I say this? White Supremacy Revisionist University. I'm sorry, but that's for PragerU. I'm sorry, but it's basically what's happening. It's literally going to be an indoctrination camp. Okay, that's basically what's happening here. All right. When it comes to the gender ideology specifically, we're talking about gender identity and sexual orientation. I think it's important to know that those topics have been in our curriculum for upwards for 15 years. So it isn't entirely new. And I also really want to encourage parents to stop and ask, what does that really mean by liberal ideology? Are we talking about truly actually pushing a political agenda? Or are we talking about topics that might just make people a little bit more uncomfortable? And I think that uncomfortable feelings comes with growing pains. Look, I think the fact of um, the birds and the bees, puberty, all that stuff should be laid at the parents' feet, okay? That's none of the teacher's business. 
All right. I really do. So I'm just uh, going to skip that part. I have no cares for uh, queer theory. I don't care for it because that's just something you could have that um, taught uh, separately if they want to choose that. Personally, I don't want it at all. Okay. we You don't need CRT. You don't need, I'm sorry, you don't need that part in CRT. It's not needed. It's not necessary. <laughs> Okay, it really isn't. What's the bit? What else can parents do if they're concerned about this? The best thing you can do for your child's education is just be involved, and that might just be sending a simple email to the teacher to make sure you show up on on Meet the Teacher Day or an open house or conferences. And you and you know, there's a huge movement. I would say in people trying to opt out of PragerU, and we definitely don't want to inundate teachers with like those emails and things like that. But if you're concerned, just ask, hey, do you plan on using this in your classroom? If so, can I please have an alternative assignment for my kid? And anybody who has a brain, they'll probably want that as well. Because what you know is something that you will possibly um, use in life, okay? People telling you about Christopher Columbus was a great guy and he was, you know, he was defending against savages when really he was just killing people to get their resources and land and to send the resources back to the queen of Spain. Okay. He, he, come on. This, this is really, uh, this is really detrimental to feed kids lies. All right. This is what they're doing. I don't have a problem with uh, fighting back against the woke mob when it comes to, you know, protecting our children. But on the right, once again, I did say they're on the same team, causing a divide and teaching them white supremacist revisionist history. I am definitely not against, I am definitely against that. You got to call out the nonsense on both sides. All right. That's what I wonder about. But I do wonder about Dennis Prager, you know. Does anybody know about the fact that he said that slave masters were um, good people? They weren't all bad. Tried to downplay slavery. Hmm. Anybody know about that, about Dennis Prager? Maybe that's the reason why Ron DeSantis chose him. Hmm. Food for thought, food for thought. All right. I'm done. Anything you want to know about this channel is in the description box. I am on Spotify and I am on Rumble. Rumble, Radical Thought, 791. Spotify, Hard Talk Radio, live in 4K. I'm done. <laughs>